0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Supermarcato Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And today we have a delightful episode in store for you. And very timely. Exactly. Uh, m- fans of the show will know how absolutely floored and enamored both of us were uh, at the soundtrack to the game Undertale by Toby Fox As, I mean, the entire Video game community, I think, really Just fell in love with Toby Fox mm-hmm. uh, After Undertale Came out, and that music Is now really a part of our popular Culture in a really beautiful way And this is the Spiritual, I think, successor uh, Yes To that music It's so
1: the next game uh, from Toby It's Deltarune And it's really timely because the first chapter came out a few years ago, but the second chapter just came out. And so this is a Patreon-suggested episode, but instead of only focusing on chapter one, now we get to focus half on one and half on two. And who knows, maybe in the future we'll have, uh, depending on when he releases his other chapters, uh, we'll come back to this. But it's a really fun soundtrack. It's very different than Undertale. So um, anyone who hasn't heard it yet, if you're expecting the same Feeling music to Undertale, you might be a little surprised. There are definitely moments that remind me, and there's even themes I I, want to say that he calls back, from Undertale. Well,
0: I think the biggest thing that is consistent between both of them is Toby's uh, very infectious and clearly well-researched and well-informed love of retro video game music in the That's style still of here. all those classic Japanese game composers and where I think the sound of Undertale's music was sort of a blend between you know, equal parts Earthbound, Final Fantasy, and Zelda. Uh, Deltarune has has a different collection of influences than that but uh, again maybe more kind of devotion yeah the same kind of devotion and love attention to detail melody arrangement uh yeah this music is fantastic Absolutely. What you guys heard
1: playing in was The Legend, which is one of the most classic sounding tracks on on this score. It's an 8-bit piece of music. There's some 8-bit tracks here. There's some more 16-bit inspired tracks. And then there's a lot that are kind of throwing everything (laughs) but the kitchen sink at us. Uh, This whole soundtrack was composed by Toby Fox. There's one piece on our playlist today. Uh, that did have some assistance from some other composers. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, I wanted to give a disclaimer that we did not have time to play all the great music from both of these chapters today. So we're playing 18 tracks, nine from chapter one and nine from chapter two. If you like what you hear, definitely go on Toby's Bandcamp and buy both of them uh, and support this wonderful music and creativity. What do you say, Will? Should we get into some great music? Let's do it. So, like we said, we, pl- we just heard the legend. Uh, the next one we're going to move on to, and we're doing this in order, so we're starting with chapter one and then moving into chapter two in the second half of the episode. A lot of this music is very short. This one is no exception. This is Lancer from Deltarune, composed by Toby Fox. <laughs> guys listening to lancer by toby fox starting out this episode really strong a really great piece of music from the first chapter which came out a few years ago Um, so the second chapter i think is just now out for the pc the first chapter was eventually ported to the switch so i think eventually that the second chapter will be as well um man this is just really confident music uh, one thing that is, everyone knows this, but Toby is kind of a goofball. And one thing really silly is on his official soundtracks, he doesn't loop the music at all. <laughs> like literally it just ends where it normally would loop. Uh, and I think that's hilarious. And so he's kind of making it more difficult for us today. Uh, we're, we're probably going to loop them ourselves. Uh, so you guys will probably hear them loop. Um, But that's just something I found kind of funny about the soundtracks. But what a strong piece of music.
0: Yeah, I absolutely adore this track. It has so much personality. It has this devious, swanky quality, which makes me think of a lot of big band music. Yet it has, first of all, being implemented in this 8-bit way makes it already a hybrid of that with electronic music. But then the groove of it has this sort of like, really funky, almost like soul or hip hop kind of feel to it that is really appealing and well, puts we it in both this wonderful
1: blend. Really liked the implementation on this too. Like this is an example yeah. where it feels like he's a little more confident in some of those aspects in this score.
0: Yeah, and also I think a piece of music like this that's such a genre pastiche. It feels like he's really done his homework almost more so than Undertale. Where Undertale was like such a reference of other game music and this is definitely references other game music but outside genres as we can hear with something like this. I also love the use of that like one bit piano sample for that really dreamy dominant chord. Like little touches like that that I think help our imagination to get to that place that it was in when we first played, you know, NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis games, when you kind of had to use your imagination to uh fully realize the world. And I definitely think that's why Toby Fox loves this kind of retro aesthetic, because it it's a gateway for a lot of people to um, kind of trigger their more active imagination.
1: And the music has such personality, and there's a lot of smiles and laughs throughout both of these chapters. Okay, so now we're going to move to one of the more popular pieces from the first chapter. It's Rude Buster, really, really good track by Toby Fox. guys listening to Rude Buster, it is incredibly cool, and it's cool to hear Toby going for some sounds that he definitely did not explore in Undertale, such as really hard-hitting, biting FM synth bass, uh, amongst many other sounds that, that he explores on this score. It's a really cool piece of music, really bold and wild. This is one of the tracks that I could see us spending, you know, a majority of the episode talking about, because there's so much packed in to this track. It's definitely one of the best.
0: Yeah, it has that sort of more influenced by something like Flying Battery Zone from Sonic and Knuckles than from any fantasy (laughs) adventure, but also definitely influenced by his contemporaries. I mean, the way that not only this blend of uh, kind of more advanced electronic sounds and that, like, FM sound. But with that heavy, compressed, just dance hall level of saturation, it really makes me think of Jake Kaufman in the Mighty Switch Force games. Um, But also somebody like Yasuke Yasui. Yasui.
1: Yeah, Yasui and Kaufman mixed together with a little bit of Toby Spice added in. It's really cool to hear him go for this uh, sound. Now, if I'm not mistaken a lot of this game has um bullet hell um elements or or parts of the game uh and so it makes a lot of sense that he's going for this uh style musically
0: yeah that and i think the other thing is like we just sort of gushed um on the undertale episode or maybe did we even do two i don't recall but um yeah i can't remember (laughs) we should have i I remember just us talking about how impressive it is that someone who can compose this well, uh, that wasn't even his main responsibility. Like he created the entire game. yeah. And the advantage to that is that his emotional connection to the material is probably stronger than any other composers could ever be. Yeah. Uh, So I think even if you got, you know, a, a super group together of all the greatest VGM composers, in some ways they might not be able to create a score that's as attached to the game as one that's done by the developer themselves. So the fact that Toby is versatile enough to not just write melodies in... And, you know, create the whole game, but he can actually implement them and make music that's exciting and vital. And then the fact that he's exploring new genres and you hear him improve as a musician, I have to imagine. I haven't played Deltarune. I did play Undertale, uh, but I'm curious if the game design um, evolves in a similar way to how the music to the two soundtracks has evolved.
1: Absolutely. Let's move on. Uh, To a nice change of pace. This is Empty Town from Deltarune. Here we go. You guys listening to a beautiful piece of music, one of my favorites. It's Empty Town from Deltarune. Um, One thing that uh, one of our Discord members, Xander, said uh, that he wanted us to touch on is that apparently for a lot of the music in Undertale, and this makes sense, Toby wrote a lot of it at the piano, whereas apparently a lot of the Deltarune music was not written at a piano, was instead just written on the computer. And I think you can hear that overall, but there's definitely pieces like this that that kind of surprises me. And if it wasn't written at a piano, it was definitely hummed. It was definitely written in in a really organic way because it feels so organic. It's such a beautiful classic piece of music. Oh,
0: it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is an example of something that I think often when there are films or games or any piece of media that's a little bit of a throwback or a pastiche, there seems to be this like detractor syndrome where everyone wants to kind of like crap on it and talk about how it's not actually as good as the original thing and it's just, you know, catering to nostalgia. But the thing is, is there are. Video game scores that cater to the nostalgia of the retro sound without actually crafting music that is of that caliber. Yeah, and this is not an example of this. Yeah, no, this, this is empty a beautiful town piece. Is of music. an example of something you could put this in an NES game. This could and be in like I Final think Fantasy none of us 3 would be or something. Any the wiser. Yeah, it's yeah, such it's a strong so piece. Well composed.
1: Yeah, and Will Will was saying something which is which is very true. Is that there's something about listening to NES music now, and part of it is the nostalgia, but it really does transport you to a very specific place. And it just there's feels like calming. all is right with the world. Yeah, it's so true. God, and I love that he injects some NES esque music into the score. Okay, uh, let's move on to, in my opinion, the most popular piece of music from Chapter One. It is really, really good. It's a classic to me at this point. Feels like a VGM staple. This is Field of Hopes and Dreams. Here we go.
0: That's so good. We're listening to Field of Hopes and Dreams from Deltarune, composed by the one and only Toby Fox. This is just exceptional.
1: It's classic. Uh, it's kind of two pieces of music, as you guys know. <laughs> it takes a real hard left turn. feels to me like the main theme of the game. It just like how good it is and how it just feels so important and emotional. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I have a good memory of jamming to this one at Magfest in the jam space uh where everyone would just like you know request a tune and and everyone would be reading lead sheets of different vgm tunes i think i was on
0: drums jamming with a bunch well, of cool especially people then on delta one. rune had like just come out like yeah. it, it was brand new at that time it's crazy to think that that was that long ago because it still seems like it's a, a couple new of thing years ago in my yeah. mind. Yeah, it's such a great track. The
1: last Magfest feels like ages ago. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So I have no idea what to do for Track of the Week. I think let's just go uh, (laughs) and decide it as we go, because this is definitely a contender. It's so classic. It's just really emotional and exciting and driving. It's
0: it's a banger. Well, what I love is that this piece of music is accomplishing so many things at once, as I think so much great video game music does that it it works on maybe... uh, an instinctive level, like the rhythms right. and the groove of it can motivate the player's action, but the chords and harmonies and melodies. Uh, tell the player how to feel maybe emotionally about the material. Yet what I love is in addition to accomplishing all of those tasks really for what the game needs, Toby adds so much of his own spirit and personality. What is amazing about this piece of music to me is though genre wise, it might make me think of other composers melodically it has a personality that is so distinct to this person that if I listened w- listen to this and nobody told me what it was from, I would say this kind of reminds me of Undertale. Even mm-hmm. though there's nothing in Undertale that sounds this Especially way. Especially that change when it completely yeah. changes into a new piece. That's that's very Undertale-y. Yeah. And just the like that, that kind of like ornamental language, and it's very pianistic and light. And it, I, yeah, there's just something about it that is unmistakably him. And that's a really difficult thing, I think, to accomplish as a composer. And it takes a level of confidence and also uh, not being overly self-conscious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So another nice change of pace here. This is a really evocative and an interesting piece of music. Uh, it's called Lantern. Again, we're still in chapter one from Deltarune. Here we go. Beautiful piece of music. One of the many examples on today's episode of a piece that really feels Japanese, and you can tell the games and the soundtracks that he grew up with, and that really inspires him. Injecting some of that in to this music, it's so beautiful. Uh, I, this is this is one that I really love uh, the implementation of too. I feel like the implementation goes a long way to evoke the atmosphere that this piece has. Um, yeah, it's just just really
0: effective stuff. Yeah, the blend of sounds here with, like, acoustic elements like the piano and those very obvious sort of, like, synth bell sounds gives it a very retro vibe, like 80s or 90s children's television music or something. Uh, And then also this sort of waltz pattern feels very much like a lullaby. Uh, But what I love is has his harmonic sensibility. Like, the chord progression of this has that sort of ambivalence that... Like if you think of the chord progression to "Snowy," you know, bum, ba da dum, bum, 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 ba da dum, bum, 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 bum. That kind of chord progression there is is the same that this one sort of begins with, and it has that sort of, you know, are we happy? Are we sad? How are we supposed to feel about this? Absolutely. And one thing that I think is is a real
1: treat, and just very much a gift to everyone out there is that. Toby is able to make these scores that are so funny and eclectic. And, you know, you'll have an NES track followed by the next track has nothing to do with that. And then you'll all of a sudden get like real sampled drums and then real piano, but then SNES. And it's like, there are absolutely no rules here. And it's really a gift because I feel like any of us now, it's like it makes us realize that we can do anything we want in one score. I mean, like we don't have to have one sound for a whole game or one instrument palette. Like there are, there truly are no rules and now is a really good time for that kind of approach. And I think that's just one
0: of the many things that is so fun about these scores. Yeah. That's truly one of the great gifts of this medium is that, uh, eclecticism is a little bit baked into not only the lineage of video games, but kind of the DNA of, what they are, they, they are this weird halfway point between a tool that they, a user interacts with and a collection of pieces of art. It's like almost a sport and yet it's almost a paint. It's kind of everything and nothing. Uh, and I think the musical eclecticism that's been such a big part of game music history, but also just how eclectic games are. There's yeah. games in so many different genres and styles that appeal to like almost everyone in the human population. Uh, it, so it's kind of amazing what i think if you compare you know what it means to be a game composer to what it means to be a film composer to me the second one is such a more narrow idea even though there are like literally infinite types of film composers of different styles and traditions game music is even more varied than that because yeah it, it contains everything from like you know, old NES chip tune music to someone like Hans Zimmer, to Marty O'Donnell, or somebody like Toby Fox. Like it's like it, it can be as far reaching as anything you can possibly imagine. And but yet we're we're not as shocked by eclecticism in games as I feel like we would be if all of a sudden. Well, and it also helps. That Toby's games are so
1: funny, and so like the music has to have a sense of humor to it. Sure, and that you know is just adding so much to the experience. And listening to the soundtrack, yeah, you just have a true. smile on your face the whole time. Yeah, it's very meta and kind of yeah self-referential. Absolutely. So this next track, I'm really excited to get to. It's one of my favorites from Chapter One, and it looks like we only have three more from Chapter One today. This is a uh, very pretty and mysterious Scarlet forest. So charming. You guys listening to Scarlet Forest, a little bit of mystery in this one. This is composed by Toby Fox. And Will was mentioning that, oh, this sounds like N64 music. And it really does. It's fun that we're at a time now when everyone has a shared vernacular in a way where you can do like really cheesy synth strings that, you know, even not that long ago, people would have been like, oh, man, this track sounds really dinky but it's so intentional. I mean, and there's a charm and a nostalgia to these sounds. Uh, it's it's really imaginative actually, and, and really well, well done.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have to remember that just, I don't know, Though, think about how old the Wii is. It's 15 years old. Yep. So it's like, I still think of Twilight Princess as a new game, but, you know, when we started this podcast in 2012, that would be like talking about a game from, you know, the late 90s, right. which I imagine we'd have like a huge amount of nostalgia for and like referencing something like that. So it's it's interesting that it's like I still feel like uh, nostalgia in video game music is still centered around the 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. um, just because that's kind of the birth of when video games became this huge popular mass media so i i kind of think that that will almost always be with us in in some form or another but it is kind of crazy to live through these technological changes and then hear an artist reference something and now they're not doing it in earnest they're doing it tongue-in-cheek and it's like i remember when this is just what like the modern cutting edge game sounded like. And well, now this the is last like the last thing I wanted to say, uh,
1: I'm sure you agree, Will, about Scarlet Forest, is it has that tongue in cheek quality, especially when it comes to the instrument choices, but it's a solid piece of music. And the composition oh, is not like annoying or silly, really, at all. It's a really beautiful melody, really great writing, but it's also tongue in cheek.
0: Yeah. I mean, we say melody a lot, but that's because this is one of the more melodic modern game scores and I yeah. think that's what people so love about Toby Fox. That's what sticks that with you about these tunes. Yeah and that's something that was great about old video game music and I think more composers need to take chances because one of the great things like I said about games is that I do think players are used to more and there is there's less that you can do as a composer that will really take them out of the game experience. Right. And I think western composers especially ones that were trained in film are far too sensitive to crossing those lines where people that uh, have been working on games the entire time tend to make more audacious decisions because I think they realize that, you know, gamers can suspend their belief can suspend their disbelief pretty far uh, because they, especially ones who've been playing games for a long time because of the technical limitations and the way we use our imagination with it. So I just think that, yeah, hopefully this inspires more composers that it's like the fact that this music can work but also be so popular and bring so much attention to the project. Like... I think
1: it has and it and it will continue to, absolutely. So there's a lot of different genres of game <laughs> that this music makes us think of. We've talked about some of them, but this next piece is straight up JRPG. It's really sad and kind of lonely. It's Darkness Falls by Toby Fox. Here we go. so beautiful you guys are listening to darkness falls composed by toby fox and this is a piece of music that a lot of the, the tracks have this where it's a really eclectic mix of different sounds um there's stuff in here that feel snes like there's some a little bit more modern samples in there too overall it, it has one vibe to it it's it's kind of nostalgic but quirky very sad very emotional. So it's, again, it's a really effective combination because I think he composed at least the majority of this Delta in music, not on a piano. And so I think picking the instrument palette is probably one of the most important things uh, to kind of send him on his way where, where he's going to go on any given piece.
0: Yeah. I, the spirit of the harmony here is very much the spirit of classic JRPG music. Um, and, I mean, even some current uh, series, like, I mean, we talk about, you know, Hiroki Morishida and the Fire Emblem Awakening score and kind of the types of colorful harmonies that are somewhere in between impressionist classical or romantic music and jazz harmony. Uh, and that's such a big part of the language of a lot of japanese media music it's so true and I, that's definitely what C- toby is tapping into and he's doing it really well and it feels authentic it doesn't feel like you know sometimes you listen to a piece of music and you can tell what it's going for but whatever model the composer had they're not quite reaching that standard yeah and that's a that's the risk you take when you try to create something in a pastiche style is that people know and are familiar with what it's supposed to sound like and if you fall short of that people won't give you the same slack they will if you the present something totally new
1: you know with with the fr- every, basically every single game that toby makes is in addition to having the nostalgia that he has and maybe a lot of his fans have of old games now there's a toby fox style in yeah. a Toby Fox aesthetic. And so it's like he can really do anything he wants to do and it's still coming from Toby's brain. And so people are it's it's in some ways predisposed to be open to it and probably like it. And that's what I think is really well, I fun. also
0: really like that as the piece develops it sort of modulates and mm-hmm. wanders to different key regions. Like I think creating a looped piece of music that does that does is a lot not in 107. Easy. Uh, But it's also like, it's cool to hear something modern that feels like it's exploring kinds of harmonic motion in a loop piece that maybe we haven't heard in games before, because again, this is a relatively new medium. Like some of that experimentation is happening right now and it is still yet to happen. So that's what I think, I don't know, that really invigorates me to hear something like this, where it's like, how would he get back into the loop in a really creative way?
1: Well... The last track from chapter one, before we move to chapter two, which I'm very excited to do, uh, it's a very sweet piece of music. It uses some themes. Uh, There definitely is leitmotif. There's some themes uh, that this track uses that if you listen to the soundtrack, you've heard a few times uh, at this point. It's Friendship. guys are listening to friendship it's the last track on our playlist from chapter one and it is one of the closing pieces from chapter one i don't know about you will but for some reason this piece has a holiday quality to it it just reminds me of getting cozy by the fire (laughs) uh with with loved ones there's there's a quality of that just a very a coziness that this track has it's really sweet
0: I completely agree. And uh, just excellent writing. You know, there's a lot of this that it's just two voices, some of it which is three voices, and the mixture between melody, bass, counterpoint, or melody, harmony, and parallel about following uh, almost classical chorale-style voice leading kind of uh, motion, which is a a classic technique in retro games, but also finding distinct points to break from that and have very... kind of in-your-face, parallel fourths and fifths. Yeah, It's it's a mix of all those elements, as well as, obviously, the sound of the NES that gives us this unmistakable quality. And only someone who's so intimately familiar with that music could execute a piece like this and have it feel that authentic. Because it isn't just that the melody and chord progression have that longing, which already is difficult to accomplish, but every detail of the writing and implementation feels authentic and I think he really earns the, you know, grand slam home run of an emotional piece this like this track hitting.
1: Is a really great example of this where a lot of composers, let's say aspiring budding composers should really listen to this and analyze it because he takes a lot of interesting turns and takes a lot of interesting risks in some of this music, but it's very rare that in Toby's music he does something that feels unintentional or rough around the edges it feels like he's massaging it at every single point and he's like preparing you for for this bold move and so it it, it's music that surprises you and sometimes it makes you laugh but it feels like there's so much care and craft there too and and so it's one of the things that really just makes me along for the ride totally chapter two folks we're starting out with i think a track that's tied for my favorite so far from Deltarune. it's a really great piece of music let's we'll start off chapter two with my castle town guys listening to my castle town a gorgeous piece of music i mean this is on the level of some of the final fantasy composers i mean if if you were to hear this with a real piano not a a sampled piano by the way i love this sampled piano it's like it has an snes quality but i have a feeling it's like a better virtual piano that he's like sampling in an snes way uh because it has that kind of hilarious delay uh but it's it's charming and mellow but yeah i mean this composition is phenomenal
0: yeah this is not a composer who is worried about being perceived as cheesy because a lot of this music could very well be considered cheesy but again it's so i really want to hear a solo piano
1: (laughs) performance of this because it's a
0: gorgeous piece It's absolutely gorgeous. And also, unmistakably, him. You know, I do feel like he finds this balance of... uh, It's similar to kind of like, you know, the way... uh, Like a John Williams is where people are aware of his reference points, yet he finds so many inventive ways to make it his own and to put his yeah. own stamp on it. And I don't necessarily know how con- how conscious Toby Fox is about that, because sometimes, you know, a musician's personality is like an uneffortful expression of just, like, they're not even aware. You know, it's, it's the things that they're not thinking about that tell us, you know, the style of who they are. But at the same time, that's what can make something like this so powerful is that it isn't just an exact kind of carbon copy of an existing form. It's like a, it's a, it's a take on it. It's, It's similar to like, if you think about classical music, you know, you have, you know, Prokofiev's classical quote unquote symphony, which is neoclassicism. It's like trying to take a modern orchestra and techniques and write within the conventions of the 18th century. Right. But, he didn't just do that. He also had things that he was conscious of and unconscious of that were very much from his time and only his time. But that's what makes that piece so special. Like if it was just, if it sounded like any other piece by Haydn or Mozart, I don't Mm. think people would talk about it. It would seem more like an academic exercise. It's the fact that there's like little pieces, even if they weren't, you know, actively chosen to be that way it's those little details that make it new and special and it's i think so uh, true, there's so man. much of that in Deltarune. let's keep going with chapter two this is a
1: great piece it's a cyber's world I love Toby Fox Uh, This is Unmistakable Fox It's just so much from his brain A Cyber's World (laughs) From Deltarune Chapter 2 The intro is perfect When the dance beat comes in I mean, Chapter 2 has a lot of great dance music It's just so much fun And it's really well composed on top of that But you can turn your brain off and just
0: dance as well (laughs) Man, the incredible dazzling production on this one. Uh the the melody which is just the melody such on a top of a cool
1: ostinato. There's like so much catchy elements happening at the same time.
0: I had that experience with this uh since you hear the rhythm of the tune out of context where right. it's like I you perceive it in a different place. It, like I Like, I I perceived it in a different place, and then when it like it was like, Oh, I thought those were like the ands of a beat, and this was, and it's like crazy for a few seconds when the dance beat comes in, where I'm like, Whoa, my two is my three, and my one is my two, and I'm all like (laughs) lost. (laughs) But it's so cool because it feels like being in like a tidal wave, yeah, where you're it takes a few seconds for your body because it's. Literally, that's what's cool is like rhythm is so felt in your body that you have this like feeling of you're in limbo for a second. Well, in like this track, we talked about it before, are.
1: but this track is such a good example of if we consider like a, a groove or like a, a driving dance beat, kind of the visceral, the physical, and if we consider an emotional melody, the cerebral. I don't know if that's true, but it's a combination of those two. Like this is a physical track as well as a cerebral track. And there's so much yeah. under the hood that you can appreciate. But at the end of the day, it's just entertaining music. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited because this is tied. <laughs> I was talking about this. This is tied for my favorite. I got to say on both chapters, and that might be a silly choice. I don't know how popular this is, but I really liked this a lot. <laughs> it's called Smart Race From Deltarune, let's check it out. absolutely in love with this track it's so fun and devious it's smart race by toby fox and of course i love it one of the reasons because reminds me of sonic music you got that great fm bass uh it's just a very devious melody great kind of 8-bit portamento lead as well just a lot of personality and
0: charm and entertainment on this one yeah personality charm but also nailing the style like he really compositionally does something so specific and it's one of those things where it's like this really feels like it could be you know a a classic genesis tune obviously there's things that or maybe it isn't obvious but there's things in the production that take it beyond that like it isn't purely a chip tune right um but In the same way that, like, your Sonic-esque albums have other synth elements to them beyond Mm -hmm. just the um, FM. But I think compositionally, also like Sonic-esque, it's it's really nailing certain specific features of that music. Particularly the way he um, handles, like, a lot of the borrowed chords in minor that that hmm. sort of blend between almost that classical deviousness and the sort of bluesiness and just incessant rock energy of that kind of bass ostinato, yeah, dunk, dunk, all dunk, dunk, those dunk, dunk, different oh, eclectic elements blended is it's just the sound of VGM. You know, it's like th- this is just the kind of thing. It's unmistakably from this medium. So good.
1: Ooh, I'm excited later to decide what the track of the week is. Let's keep going. Uh, some of the titles on the soundtrack in all caps. And uh, this is one of them. So I'll say it that way. Welcome to the city by Toby Fox. Adorable piece of music, very quirky. This is Welcome to the City from Deltarune. This is in chapter two. Um, yeah, it's just this soundtrack, both of these chapters combined, just so much fun to listen to, and there's a lot to listen to and enjoy. I mean, it's it's a soundtrack that really rewards you every time you go back. There's more to notice,
0: but on the first listen, it's incredibly entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. It really is in the way that classic arcade music or Mega Man or Street Fighter, Capcom, like, I mean, it's like the first time, for instance, it's like when, you know, remember when we discovered some of those like Kenyo Yamashita NES scores, like the, uh, what is it? The something something Jetman or whatever. It's like the first time you hear that stuff, it's like, oh, this feels instantly classic. Uh, And, you know, Undertale has that quality. Deltarune absolutely has that quality. The same way, you know, Shovel Knight had that quality. Um, But in some way, I feel like Toby's almost more authentic compositionally to the style of Retro VGM than Jake was. I feel like Jake was more authentic to the style of implementation, but compositionally, like, he was going even further in all those directions. Well, what I found and, like,
1: interesting about Deltarune is there are these little moments here and there that remind me of arcade music. So I'm glad you brought that up. Like, there's these tracks that are like, oh, man, this feels like an arcade shooter or like a, a fighting game or something. Like, there's that quality to some of this music. Absolutely. And I love that that's one of the sides that Toby explored. In It's not the only side. There's plenty of like classic RPG moments as well, but I, I happen to really enjoy that. And I will say that was a side that I was not expecting at all. I mean, hearing a track like Smart Race, there's, I was not expecting uh, that, that quality. I mean, it, just, it doesn't sound like what I, what I come to expect from Toby Fox. Yeah, but it's of the quality that we definitely come to expect. Let's move on to Pandora Palace. really fun track i gotta say this this track is hilarious i laughed out loud at multiple moments in it just so many things going on it's just having such a fun time it's very self-referential i love the injections the brief injections of classical music i love that it's this harpsichord this like messed up harpsichord sound it's a really fun piece of music that is not taking itself seriously at all yeah,
0: absolutely. That just classical rock <laughs> yeah. is basically what this is, um, and it's so video gamey—the sort of video game version of classical, the Castlevania, if you will. Like well,
1: I in this track, I was getting Mother Three vibes. Do you hear what I'm saying, Shogo Sakai? Sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely the Mother series is kind of like very seminal. I think, I know he loves all it. All of. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't have any of Toby's games without that series.
1: It's so true. Okay, this next track I know is one of it's it's early, but it just came out, but it's one of the most popular ones from chapter two. It's Big Shot. Piece of music so cool, so gamey. This really reminds me of the 16 bit era. It's like a Star Fox boss theme that's like on drugs or something.
0: (laughs) This is big (laughs) shots. It has the Ryoji Yoshitomi quality of the WarioWare kind of series, just in that it's just insane. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre and has those chopped up, disturbed voices, but yet it's just like classic, like Turtles in Time esque. Rock. Also, we, we gotta VGM. mention.
1: There's a lot of Megalovania vibes to this. It
0: kind of feels like a spiritual sequel to that track. I think it's a stronger piece, though. I-, I love this. Yeah, I mean, that's. Those are some big claims. Megalovania is like one of the most beloved uh, tracks from the original game which is hilarious because it's not one of my favorites from that game yeah I think you and I probably tend to gravitate to the really melodic and almost like the slower more tender heartfelt aspects of the game but I can understand to people that are into playing it and are into the story and kind of like how that is such a standout piece energy wise but I do think yeah I mean Toby's strong suits are in composing melodies we, <laughs> we would definitely be remiss if we left this track without talking about all the
1: orchestra hits. I mean, it's like to do a melody with that much orchestra hit is very ballsy and very hilarious. And I just sign off on it. It feels right. It's like I feel like I'm playing so the right. X
0: Men arcade game. You know, <laughs> X Men, welcome to die. God, it's good. I love this track. Some intense battle music. To dun, end yeah, our that day sort with. of bluesiness too. Um, it just, it's like a classic, it, yeah, it reminds me of the, um, the old X-Men theme, uh, in the old, you know, Batman theme. And even like John Ottman's X-Men theme has that sort of Mm -hmm. like blue, blue note quality to it, which is just such a superhero-y thing. But yeah, I love that that's in this track. This next track
1: is called It's Pronounced Rules, and it's a really fun piece of music. It has a quality. It's very familiar and reminiscent of a lot of other pieces, this kind of up-tempo, minor key, slightly devious track. But I, I think the melody on this one is actually very strong. Let's take a listen to It's Pronounced Rules. You guys are listening to It's Pronounced Rules, which is, to be honest, one of my favorite tracks from Chapter 2. I just really liked the melody. Uh, I thought it was really engaging. It's a fun track. It has the qualities that we hear in a lot of VGM. This is another one that just screams Mother 3 to me, uh, but I just think like the syncopation and the poppiness of Toby's melody here... It's kind of something that really only he would do. It's it's a really cool combination of influences on this one.
0: Yeah, the the chords and the sort of um there's aspects to this that actually remind me of Grant Kirkhope. Just the sort of unabashed I
1: could hear that fun energy of it. A slight oom-pa-ness to it. <laughs> yeah, you need the Kirkhopean oompah. Definitely. Okay, so this next track we have to talk a little bit about um I'm going to open up the Bandcamp real quick so that I don't say something wrong here. We're closing up our episode. Uh, this is the last track other than the playout. It's called Attack of the Killer Queen, and it's a great track. And On the Bandcamp page, it says that this particular piece of music had arrangement assistance by Lena Rain, as well as a transcription by Marcy Neighbors. So, no uh, way, that's really that's cool. So awesome. He got some assistance on know, this
0: one. Anyone should know Lena from the incredible soundtrack to Celeste, absolutely, amongst many others.
1: And so, that was really fun that he, he had some collaborators. In actually, volume one, there's a track that Laura Shigihara sang and I think did some arrangement assistance on that we didn't have time for today. So some fun collaborators that he got on both of these chapters. Uh, Ending our day strong here, it's Attack of the Killer Queen. guys are listening to attack of the killer queen from delta room chapter two a really fun it's got to be a battle track here i mentioned before that uh this game does feature some moments of bullet hell <laughs> um and, and and i haven't played the game but i'm sure there's many other genre send-ups <laughs> here and there uh, it's a really devious but well composed piece of music composed by toby fox Uh, with, it sounds like, some arrangement assistance from those other fine composers. Really strong way to end our day. So, Will, I want to get your overall thoughts on this Deltarune music, and I also want to get your thoughts on, if that's that's true that a lot of this music uh, was composed not in front of a piano, how you think that uh, came into play with this music?
0: Yeah, um... It really seems like Toby Fox here was very conscious of not wanting to uh, succumb to the sophomore slump, and not wanting, you know, Undertale being this big game, and not wanting the second project to... And though I'm sure there will still be detractors that say it's not nearly as good, and the music isn't as good, I feel like I do think this music overall is better than Undertale. And I feel like he's grown as a composer in so many ways. I mean, a lot of the melodies in Undertale will always be classic and will Mm -hmm. always have them. But I think a lot of these melodies are absolutely classic. Here's what I think. I think there's so much more variety. Yeah.
1: The overall audio package of this chapter one and two score is more consistent. It's stronger. It's more confident. I do think it doesn't reach the same highs. Uh, maybe melodically speaking, that Undertale does. There's some highs in Undertale that we never really touch here that I don't even know if it's possible to touch, I to do be think fair.
0: part of that, though, is because of different stylistic choices. That like it, is y- true. There aren't any pieces that are aiming for what those Undertale things are aiming for, which is another reason I like this. At the end of the day... it doesn't let you down.
1: It's another amazing soundtrack by Toby Fox, and I can't wait to see and hear what he does next. Yes, it's different than Undertale, but we gotta give our hats off
0: to him once more. Yeah, and I mean, I think... The great thing about um, a a a strong composer can write anyway, whether it's at the piano or in their own head or with a DAW or a pencil and paper or with a guitar. And sometimes changing your method can help you to come up with fresher ideas. Like. I play my stupid little ocarina all the time because sometimes I come oh, up with stupid. stronger melody. But I'm not very good at it. But like sometimes <laughs> I come up with melodic ideas that I would never come up with if I were singing or playing yep. the piano. Uh, because same with me on guitar, things that yeah, it's it's really an advantage to change up your process. So if that is what Toby's done, that's probably partially responsible for. Um, the in our opinion, the, the real success and the dynamicism of these two soundtracks.
1: It's a cool thought. Uh, we're going to play you out with a really fun way to send you on your way. It's Acid Tunnel of Love, again composed by Toby Fox. Thank you so much, everyone, for supporting us and for listening. This was such a fun episode. It's so fun that we're still in an era when new video game soundtracks are this good, this nostalgic, this eclectic. It's great. Absolutely. I think that's about it. Oh, I do have a plug. Uh, when you, If you guys are listening to this on day of release, uh, this coming Friday, uh, the 1st of October, I'm actually putting out a covers album. It's kind of a, I guess I would say maybe a compilation album of a bunch of different VGM covers that I've done over the years, just uh, solo that I've never really uh, put out anywhere other than YouTube. And so it's going to be one album that's going to have all of that. It's, it's kind of eclectic and diverse, but uh, I think you guys should enjoy it. So
0: definitely check that out on uh, Bandcamp. Awesome. Look forward to it. I think that's it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.